Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing, recorded at the PW offices in New York City. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly and co-editor of PW Comics World. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. And I'm Heidi McDonald. I am graphic novels review editor of Publishers Weekly and the editor-in-chief of The Beat at comicsbeat.com. Check us out on Twitter at at PW Comics World. And I'm Kate Fitzsimmons. I'm the podcast producer. And you can find us online on Tumblr at pwcomicsworld.tumblr.com. And don't forget, you can subscribe to more to come on iTunes and on social media, uh, specifically Facebook. We're at facebook.com slash pwcomicsworld. All right, this week on More to Come. It's award seasons, people. Uh, we're going to have a manga update, lots of stuff going on. Super Flicks revisited, uh, and the news briefs. So, award season. The Eisner nominations came out. But, yes. But there's more. I mean, these are noms, but there's some awards were handed out. Right, right. Recently, yes. too. So, uh, um, Well, yes, award season's well underway. Uh, last time we talked about the LA Times Book Prize going to um, Arab of the Future. Uh, the other most prestigious literary comics award is the Lind Ward Prize yes. presented by Penn State. That was just announced yesterday. Uh, the winner was uh, Unflattening by Nick Suzanis, who was a former guest on this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I can't remember which number show it is, but check the archive, publishersweekly.com slash comics. And uh, I've got an, uh, about an hour-long interview yes. with Nick about, it's about a year ago. Unflattening. Yeah. And really, uh, and certainly a deserving title. Rather amazing. I mean, a, 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 a work uh, of theory about human perception in the form of a comic. It really is. Uh, it really is an incredible uh, incredible achievement. And they had two honor books also. Uh, one of oh, them yeah. was Displacement by uh, Lucy Nicely, and the other one was uh, totally blanky on what it was. Yes, I'm a little <laughs> cranky too. I know, right? Uh, How do we forget that? Uh, sorry, loyal audience. Well, why, the, the Lucy Nicely book, of course, is a uh, it's called Displacement, a travelogue, and it's actually really about her going on a trip with her grandparents and really, really very touching um, look at her, um, you know, relating, taking them on a cruise, actually. Yes, it's, it was. Uh, that was an excellent book. The other one... And hijinks ensued. The other one was Russian Olive to Red King by Catherine Eminem and Stuart Eminem, a book I've never oh, yeah. actually and seen I, a copy of, yeah. which is probably why I forgot it, because every time I go to a show where Ad House is set up, it's sold out. Like, it's, it's like, <laughs> a, you know, given the... Uh, Given the popularity of the Eminence as comics creators, I mean, no surprise there, but uh, I've seen previews, and it is a beautiful book, as all that Ad House publishes are. Yes. By the way, speaking of the Nick DeSusanis interview, dear listeners, it is episode 144. And uh, the Glad Award. Yes. To Lumberjanes. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh, Most I think deserving. It's a, very deserving. I think that's the first time that Lumberjanes has won the Glad Award. Uh, which recognize um, a gay, lesbian, LGBTQ uh, representation in, in mass media. A lot of people say, why don't they do more indie type stuff that really is as down and gritty and uh, but and uh, obscure and obscure. <laughs> but glad their their uh, goal is to spotlight mass media that yeah. you would see on your TV or and they're get trying to own. encourage mass yes. media. Yes, yes exactly. exactly. So oh. I yes. There you go. So, but uh, then the Eisners obviously are the big ones. Yes. Those were just announced yesterday, 
And uh, the big, uh, you know, they, these vary every year uh, yeah. based on who the jury is and uh, this year's jury. Yeah. And for those of you who may not, I know this is a comics hardcore crowd, but it's the Will Eisner Comic Industry Awards, uh, as I prefer to refer to them, the National Book Awards of the comics industry. Um, it was my own little obsessive thing. But, um, yeah, now... Um, well, this, what, year's, this year's... Okay, I'm gonna, this year's panel was Brian Doherty, the, okay. uh, um, a, a journalist reviewer. Uh, Danny Fingeroth, uh, comics writer, editor, uh, mm-hmm. retailer Jason Grizoulis of BI t- BSI Comics, librarian Jason Poole, uh, and Comic-Con International Board Member Natalie Powell, and academic scholar Carol Tilly, uh, who, one of our favorites, a actually. Fa- yes, a we fave love, of the we show. We love Carol Much Tilly. The word the them show. killer, as we call her. Yes. Uh, so anyway, it really varies. But, you know, this year, uh, you know, sometimes it's too hot, sometimes it's too cold. Sometimes it's too mainstream, sometimes it's too indie. And I think this year they kind of got it just right, actually. I mean, Fantagraphics was the number one publisher mm-hmm. with 17 noms, followed by Image with, uh, let's see, they had 14 noms. So yeah. I think that's pretty good. Uh, and apparently women made out like bandits. They Well, I mean, it, they, they, they got more nominations than ever before. 61 yeah. compared to mm-hmm. 44 last yeah. year. 49, 49 women, uh, yes. 44 women last year, but 61 nominations across, yes, yes. across the Yes, yes. And they were represented in 27 of the 30 categories, which I think is real yeah. progress. And seven of them were were more fem- uh, more female than male. Um, so yeah, that's mm-hmm. yes. So mm-hmm. that was you know like uh, I said, this is very contemporary, yeah. very contemporary, very yeah. relevant list. I feel two women well, got three nominations each. That's uh, Colin Coover and uh, Joel Jones. Uh, four women got two nominations each: Erica mm-hmm. Henderson, Lucy Nisley, uh, Marjorie Liu, and Sydney Padua. Well, and looking at the list of books. I don't think that this is a list of nominations that anyone would argue with. I mean, it's well, there was well, some there's always well, there's I'm always sure there's someone some to arguing. argue with something. But, but what I mean is that it doesn't ignore any part of the comic no, it industry. doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't like ghettoize the uh, superhero comics. It doesn't ignore the indies. It's it's broad based right. although don't you get the sense that a trend that we have been seeing for a few years is that you know non-superhero comics mm-hmm. uh, well Marvel are, and DC barely are barely, they are barely I mean DC yeah DC really, like five I, to be honest I thought that Sandman Overture would get uh, would I did get think a healthy, that Sandman uh, and, Overture and, or, would get or, in there you know or Hellboy uh, I mean yeah. these are perennial award winners and uh, you know it looks like uh, in fact you know, two of the all-time favorites, Todd Klein and Scott Dunbeer. I'm not sure Scott Dunbeer is even oh, on that's here. Pretty amazing. You know, oh no, I took well, it back. Oh no, no, it's designed well, by Dean Mullaney. There well, Dean, yeah, because I know yeah. Dean Mullaney got yeah, but was on there. You know, I think there's also been a trend in the Eisners in recent years that uh, sort of the one for you, one for you, one for you. Um, you know, like to me. You know, Calvin and I are both former Eisner judges. I was a judge more than 20 years ago, so, you know, mine goes far back. Um, I'm pretty close to that. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, I think that one of the trends is, you know, to me, it's like in past years when, um, say, like Hellboy was nominated for Best Limited Series or Best Series, you know, then you might want to say that Mike Mignola was the best artist. But there's so few people on this list that got multiple nominations. I mean, that's yeah. really not the way. Uh, you know, one book that No got, one swept it. No one swept it at all. I mean, there's so little dominance. And, you know, it's not like when Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome got like 11 nominations. Uh, yeah. You know, one book that got three was uh, uh, The Eternaut, which was a book we've talked about for Fantagraphics. And 
Yeah. Uh, you know, I haven't seen that. Yeah, it's, it's 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 well, we only got the one copy. It's so sad. You know, Bandit got three from, yeah. okay. yes. and March Book Two got three. But but you know, it isn't like like Lady Killer got a lot. And while I like Joel Jones, I've read Lady Killer, and it's just not that amazing. Well, everybody has a, you know everybody has a bone to pick. But but, but you I, know, don't, I, I don't I don't have a bone to pick right. with it. I'm just right. like. Yeah, but I was going to say, like for me, I thought that Nimona might might get a lot of nominations because you yeah. know it got a National Book Award nomination, and and Noelle Stevenson was really one of the creators of the year. But you, there's only one yeah, low, she got yeah, one she low nomination for it, which well, is best yeah. graphic novel. Well, uh, so yeah. anyway, so they really did like one for you, one for me, one for you, one or one for you, one for yeah. you, one well, for you. I think it has they to tried do with, to spread I mean, it around. I think this is the kind of year where we don't because there was no. I mean, in some years like. When uh, Hawkeye first came out, or or when Saga first came out, there would be a book that yes, really swept I the agree. industry, I that agree. caught everyone's attention. But there wasn't one like this this year. There were a lot of very strong books, and so nothing like head and shoulders made everyone go, "I want to nom that." Right, right, and uh, yeah, no, I, I think there's so many good Although, books that, you know, that really, we're fans of, like the- "Love the Tiger" got nominated, "Tuana Corley" the mm-hmm. the 25 year anniversary. I mean, you I mean, know. this list would not this, this, this would not look out of place for an Ignatz list, or I, I just think that we we've seen a complete transformation. Yeah, um, yeah. happening even at even at the the, the venue that's right. really supposed to be the epitome of the mainstream of right. comics and well, the mainstream I, of comics now is apparently this is the mainstream of comics is Lucy it Nisley is. it is it is absolutely <laughs> it is um, well Lucy hasn't won yet yeah, no, but I'm just saying but she's like, won in the know, past she's, she's certainly yeah. you know a, a best selling author so yeah now there was one category. Always there is one. Uh, I thought that it might be Funky Winkerbean getting nominated, but Good uh, Lord. but but you know, oddly enough, that that isn't what captured the imagination of the people. Uh, what captured the imagination was the best comics-related periodical journalism category, which was um, three books: all the Alter Ego. Uh, back issue and uh, Jack Kirby Collector from Tomorrow's, which is kind of a nostalgia publisher, I guess mm-hmm. you could say. Uh, Hogan's yeah. Alley uh, from Tom Heintus, which looks at uh, again classic comic strips, and then Comic Riffs, which is the blog by Michael Kavna at the Washington Post. Um, so this Im- got immediate uh, outcry on Twitter from comics journalists mm. uh, who um, felt ignored. Felt ignored, I guess you know. And I, I, I mean, I, I you know, I, I, this was. Uh, I got some heated words yesterday over this whole thing because I was like, you know, guys, like, you can't just talk about yourself. You know, but that said, this was a very suspect category. I mean, I think when you're looking at, at what has come out in comics journalism in the past, the last year, hmm. I mean, there's so many. I mean, this is so. Anyway, I mean, three books <laughs> or two morals. I mean, you could have had CBR. I mean, which we'll talk about in a little bit, it's going away, you know, or Comics of Cola, yeah. which just went away. Tomorrow. Or, yeah, I mean, or Panels. I mean, I think Panels, which is run by the <clears> Book Riot <throat> people, is one of the, you know, best emerging comic sites. Or, or Women Write yeah. About Comics. Or Comics yeah. Alliance. Or The Beat. Hey, you know, let's just Why say not? it. The Beat. I, Why not? Everybody, I do find it it's a lo- little odd, uh, the, the publishers they have in well, it. So I wasn't much, as now, up on this issue. Well, let me tell Now that I see the books, I'm sort of, they're kind of hit scratches. Well, I was about to write a, a post about it, uh, and then... I was researching, and an interesting fact that I found that I had forgotten was that uh, one of the judges, Danny Fingeroth, actually used to edit a a magazine for Tomorrow's. Now that was six, seven years ago, and obviously there's no such thing as a lack of conflict of interest in in, in any comics. of this, the tiny world, the tiny world of comics. 
Um, so, uh, you know, I'm not... I know, Conflict you know, of interest is a way of life. It is a way of life. And I, I, you know, I think that we're, you know, we all know Danny, so we're not going to cast aspersions on him. But, uh, you know what, the optics of that are, are really crappy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it doesn't look good. It really doesn't look good. And uh, I, I'm told that there were... Anyway, so, yeah. you know, and I, I just, I mean, there was... You know, this really exploded into outrage on the the uh, comics Twitter, and uh, and yeah. I think there was some justification there. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't work up actual outrage, but you can you can only imagine the eye roll I'm doing right now at like tomorrow's three. Really? Mm-hmm. I know. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Seems, you do it seems that. Seems a bit weird. Um, yeah. Well, there certainly was better, better, yeah. Yeah. better. You know, uh, better, better journalism than three books. I mean, they're fine. Don't they're get fine. me wrong. They're them. fine, but they're not. Wor- you know, yeah. what? this category is not worthy of the rest of these nominations. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah. Com- well, I mean, I don't necessarily think there's anything sketchy going on. I think it's just saying something about the taste in comics journalism of the people doing the nominations. I'm not familiar with the books, but I mean, aren't they more in the area of sort of... Scholarship. Yeah, research, history, and reprinting classic works than necessarily journalism, which I would define... Well, you know, listen... But it is a periodical. It's a journalism or periodical. It's a periodical. They are periodicals that are in print uh, Mm. that one of the judges used to work for. And, um, you know, what would Rich Buckler think? I mean, what would Rich Buckler think of all this? So, I mean, that's a... Who's that? Well, he's an old guy who these magazines talk about. So I'm just saying, it's like, if you talk about, you know, irrelevant today's comics world, uh, I mean, I love Tom Heinches, uh, Hogan's Alley. He's a wonderful work of scholarship. You know what? There's two other categories in here to recognize works of comic scholarship. There yeah, is, in right. fact, There's... Best Comics-Related Book yeah. and Best Academic Scholarly yeah. Work. So, you know, people, so come on. You... Yeah. It just seems to me that they could be focusing on websites, blogs, Something Podcasts. that is some something that's doing serious contemporary writing about comics t- today. I mean, that's how I would define comics journalism. Yeah. Um, I, and I'm not going to claim that I know where they should be looking, mm-hmm. but it, it's it's kind of understandable that people are yes, Well, you know, there's this podcast called More to Come that's really right <laughs> well, up to date with everything. Well, so. and, even, and the fact that if... we've never been cited by the ISIS is not a problem. But I I just. Yeah, yeah, even if it's not us. It's fine if it's not us, but yeah. it is sort of an interesting choice. I mean, journalism is, you know, as I say, it's the first take on history. It's yeah. So it's like, what's going on? Who's writing about comics now? And like I said, the rest of the list is so uh, so up to date. It's so contemporary. It's just this one category seemed to be really a little bit off kilter. So anyways, <laughs> what's our next? Okay, um, we're moving on to now. Uh, manga update. Right. Okay. Yes. I'm not going to say. Okay. A bunch of stuff has been happening that looks very interesting. I mean, one of the more uh, interesting and unusual events was uh, Katakawa, a major publisher of both manga, prose, um, and also other kinds of digital content, including I think some gaming uh, franchises, uh, took a majority stake. Now, this is highly unusual. A majority stake in Yen Press, which is the graphic novel imprint of the Hachette Book Group, a major American publishing. And I know it's called Hachette because it's owned by the you know the giant French uh, publishing corporation. But this is also, uh, for those of you who go back a few years, the former Warner Books uh, division. Um, it's a major American publishing house. Uh, and some of you may remember it was in a big fight with Amazon, <laughs> where Amazon took up all the buy buttons. 
Um, but Yen Press has been uh, it was founded by Kurt Hassler, or actually co-founded by Kurt Hassler and um, uh, and Rich. Um, I'm, I'm Rich Johnson. Rich Johnson. Yeah. Excuse me, yes. Rich. I, yes, sorry. I'm uh, suffering from a cold. Of the podcast. Uh, yes. Rich, House, of course, has since left. But um, you know, this is this category has been a major, uh, uh, major success. It is. Major it, it really has. Uh, and uh, you know, that's 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 a real. I think a it's a major re- manga publisher. Yeah. In addition to other things, um, and um, in the last year, two years, a major publisher of Japanese light novels. Uh, these are prose works based on anime and manga properties. So this is highly unusual. I've never seen a major American publisher turn and oh, and the express position is to turn it into a standalone co-venture uh, where Hachette has a minority stake. Mm-hmm. They have fifty nine percent, forty nine. Excuse me, forty nine percent. This is very unusual. Um, uh, Actually, Bridget Alverson is working on a follow-up piece of the story that we did about it, just to see what exactly is going on. In another interesting dimension, um, Crunchyroll, uh, the online streaming uh, anime and manga so, uh, um, a platform, has also done a deal with Katakawa. Uh, they have gone in to uh, basically co-produce or co-fund a series of anime titles that I assume will be streamed on Crunchyroll. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, so, you know, listen, it's, uh, I think as you just pointed out, uh, you know, Viz is owned by Shigaka Khan uh, mm-hmm. as a co-venture. Kodansha is owned by Kodansha. Uh, and now, you know, Yen. So all the three major U.S. manga imprints have Japanese partners. And I think that just shows how important the whole global market is for, for yeah. comics now. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it's, it's very – I don't – what it all means, I don't know. But it's a very interesting development uh, for American House to run a deal like this. Yes, exactly. So. Um, you know, there were, were there oh, some well, other... Were, you know, listen, Viz has had a lot of news, uh, actually, themselves. Uh, you oh. know, they were... Uh, I think they're going to do a, a re-release of Akira and... Uh, yeah, and Kodansha as well. Kodansha yes. also announced they are doing... Um, they've got a deal now with Comixology where they're, they are uh, simul-publishing um, Attack on Titan. Um, right. In Japanese and English, starting now... Uh, Chapter by chapter, it's almost like a single issue release. Right. Um, obviously, you can go to you can go to uh, Comicsology and buy the Tankobons, the the book collections. But you can now essentially uh, starting uh, with the most recent chapter, and they are uploading, if I'm not mistaken, like 1900 chapters. So you can essentially read the series. Chapter by chapter, mm-hmm. or book by book, and this as you is, choose. And this is unusual for uh, for manga, correct? Because uh, you know, still yes. getting on digital, there are a lot of top authors who still hate it, like Urasawa and so That's on. That's true. Though we have seen more and more of that over the last uh, four to five years. Simultaneous. I mean, this sort of, um, if my memory serves me correctly, pioneered it in in uh, with um, with their weekly. Uh, digital magazine, which they turned into basically a Japanese and English uh, simultaneous publication. Now we're seeing Kodansha on it, but this has turned out to be one of the best tools basically in fighting piracy. Absolutely, and you know what? It's amazing. Fans uh, want, fans in the U.S. want what the Japanese fans are reading, yeah. and they want it at the same time. Right. Yeah, because of course. Because they're going to steal that, it anyway. Well, but not only that. Of course, there's always that one guy from Japan who's going to tell 
everybody else what happened. Sure. And nobody <laughs> wants to be the person who gets spoiled for something they can't read. Yeah. But, it, but the other thing, of course, is, you know, most fans, in my estimation now, if you have the most recent content available for a reasonable price, they want it. They'll just buy it. Right? They'll buy it. They they'll buy it if yes. you have it available. If it's to available buy. when they want it, it's, and they want it right there's away. There's a famous gif on the internet that says, "Shut up and take my money." Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. If if it's not available, all bets are off. Yeah. Right. And scanlation will rule. Believe me. Uh, so yeah. So uh, lots uh, to talk about on the manga front, and we'll have more to come for sure. Yeah, definitely. So uh, speaking of more to come. There's a lot more that's been happening. Uh, you know, summer movie season is about to heat up, and uh, so many of these movies, uh, present and future, are superhero movies. So uh, God but, help know, us. But first, winding up, you know, Batman versus Superman, and uh, yes, we had oh our boy. big debate last week. <laughs> yeah, we did. But uh, you know, but basically, there's been some interesting fallout uh, yeah. of this. Uh, for instance. Um, they're going to do they're releasing a killing joke cartoon in Batman uh, Batman cartoon is going to be R-rated first <laughs> that's a first well yeah, you know, really it really involves mutilation and assault so probably a good idea um, but you know dark and gritty is the way to go uh, you know and Gal Gadot I mean, came the, out and said that Wonder Woman's going to be uh, pretty dark well you know I mean frankly DC Animation has done dark and gritty in a way that has not gotten an R-rated I mean if anyone's seen the uh movie they created for Batman Beyond called Return of the Joker. Like it dealt with some very dark stuff, but they managed to, you know, keep it on a PG thirteen basis. Mm-hmm. But um I think that's not the route they want to take anymore, right. well, apparently. Well they're interesting. They're they're taking a classic and they're teaching taking um uh, a property that I mean, in the minds of some, that's kind of the beginning of you know, I mean maybe that I guess in uh and Dark Knight of this really grim Batman, um, it's it's a little surprising to me. You're you're scrunching up. Am what? I have I misstated no, something? No, no, no. I'm scrunching you, up my mind. At, like, okay, <laughs> I think I, I I feel like I was on the verge of. It's not you, Calvin. You you idiot. No, it's not Calvin. You idiot. Old fart it's, fan. <laughs> no, it's not that. Um, although I will say that actually, um, a lot of people feel that this book and Dark Knight Returns are actually darker even than what you normally see in the comics. Even though Batman's mm-hmm. pretty dark now, it's not that dark. Yeah. Like, it's like, yeah. Killing Joke is like a level of dark to which most people are like, and that's too much. And I also think, I mean, one of the things we talked about, and I think this was your point at the, the at our last discussion, mm-hmm. was uh, that fans are coming to these properties now in ways that we never would have imagined. And very often it has nothing to do with the comics. And the, the animation series uh, is a huge, I think, is a huge draw. Well, I mean, and today, the anim- these movies now, are we're getting fans that are coming to these characters who may not ever read the comics. Well, I mean, I think that the this animation movie, they the market they're trying to sell it to are the people who came in through the movies. Oh, yeah. They yeah. are thinking... Okay, so these people super love our really dark flicks. What are they going to want to buy? I know, R-rated Killing Joke. I think that's what's going on. Well, but I think people came from what Calvin... I mean, I came in through animation. I think a lot of people came in through animation, not just recently, but for the last 40 years. Well, you know, supposedly... I'm not sure if I said this in our last podcast or not, but I heard 
uh, that, you know, supposedly they're going to release that R-rated version of Batman versus Superman, and one of the big differences in it is that it's going to include the killing joke, so... Uh, or, well, you know, a reference I, to the killing joke. So. I actually think a lot. Bear with me because mm. the notion that Batman versus Superman should be longer is a little bit insane. Now, and Calvin's a fan. <laughs> Calvin liked and I actually, I actually liked clear. the movie with, with some reservations. I actually liked it. Um, but I actually do believe that it might. Because I think the biggest problem with Batman versus Superman is the beginning of it is so confusing. No, yeah. you're scratching your head for half the movie. And. I think maybe if the, the 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 full vision of the director is on the screen, it might be a more enjoyable movie. Yeah, I, yeah, I have. If you're at home and you can spend four yeah, hours it might be watching, it's good as sucker punch. I, I have. Well, I have heard the rumor that the movie at least makes more sense <laughs> yes. in the R-rated yes. cut. Yeah. Because so much of it was originally R-rated. Right. Well, yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah. exactly my point. Well, you know, to look at this in the bigger picture, uh, and uh, I've been waiting, because normally after this kind of thing, you get all kinds of leaks and stories and, you know, rumors about what's happening. Ah, uh, delicious dirt. Yeah, but there's uh, there, the dirt's have been fairly tame. Uh, but most of it is sort of more like, I think I, I mentioned this last time, but, uh, you know, like like uh, inside Warner Brothers, they were shocked that the movie got so many bad reviews. Well, um, and one piece of dirt that I'm seeing, maybe you have some insider input, is that maybe they're going to make fewer superhero movies. Well, no, this was reported, so oh, okay. I don't, I don't know the, uh, you know, this was reported, but, but, but that's what I'm saying. They were sort of baffled, you know. They just didn't know. They were sort of like, really, oh, <laughs> man, geez, didn't see that coming. I, you know, maybe this movie making thing isn't such a good idea. Well, so I, let's make. Let's make less of them. I suspect one of the reasons driving this notion of the possibility of fewer films is that you know the box office for Batman versus Superman dropped off tremendously, uh, something like seventy uh, percent. Uh, I think right. uh, the previous That's a hell of a drop. the previous drop off. Now there there are always big drop offs, but the drop nothing of that magnitude. Mm. I think the previous biggest drop off had been about sixty percent, and I can't remember what the film was. It may have been one of the Avengers it was, films. It was something like The Fast and the Furious 7. You know, no, it, it was, was one of the superhero films, okay. that, but I, if but I'm not I, mistaken. I think Ultron? I think it Might have was, been. I think it was also just that... Um, I think it was also that it was a movie that was well along. And this is like supposedly mm-hmm. the first one in the franchise. So, uh, But, you know, I, I, I'm looking for the actual number here. But, but let's not... You know, there's so many... This is a hard story to, to cover because there's just so many expectations and metrics that people, you know, supply and desire. But but uh, Batman vs Superman has actually made more worldwide than Deadpool. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. so let's give yeah. this. Let's put this into perspective. The and, movie's uh, not a uh, failure unless your business model called for it to make one billion dollars, which well, it isn't going to make. Well, so. it's not to be make fair, it. Deadpool was done on a very small budget, indeed. Well, it is, but I just want to point out that yes, it's a, Deadpool costs fifty-eight million. Okay, Batman vs Superman. Oh, add two hundred million million to that number and you'll get it so yes yeah. of course uh but i am just trying to point out so that the metric absolute, for success right is lower. but i'm just trying to point out that the absolute because uh, i just was looking up this earlier mm-hmm. but deadpool made something like 750 million worldwide mm-hmm. batman versus superman has made 833 million super mm-hmm. uh, worldwide so so you know the and movie gross it, it did gross but I, I you know in absolute numbers it's certainly not a failure it's just no. you know but but i i you know what the takeaway from this insight warner brothers i mean i think the reason why there haven't been any any like really clear um you know explanations of this is because 
they don't really know what to make of it. One thing they did decide was that they're going to make more movies with Batman, uh, played by Ben Affleck. There is going to be, they confirmed that there's going to be a Batman, Ben Affleck solo movie. Um, directed by Ben Affleck? By directed or written yeah, by Ben seems Affleck. seems to be the case, so yeah. Um, you know, good I'm, I'm actually interested in that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, yeah, I, I could be no, good. Yeah, I have no, I, I have was, no, that's a smart yeah. move. I will, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a win-win. <clears throat> uh, you know, I mean, it's it's yeah, it's hard to know what to say about uh, Bat versus Soup. Um, I just think it was uh, just it's got a confusing beginning. Well, let me put it this In way. That... But you know, let me put and it he's th- the one who loved it, right? So let me put it this way. You know, you want uh, Warner Brothers. We've talked. <laughs> We've talked so many times here on this podcast about Warner Brothers not quite knowing what to do with their superhero franchise, and guess what? You know, Batman v Superman was their big, their big gun, and after it came out, they still don't really know what to do. So, well, to be fair, they've worked it out on their TV end. Have they yes, ever? Yes, they have. Yes, um, it's it's more their movie, and they're working it. Well, you know, maybe that's the way to go. Maybe having fewer movies until you figure out what hits big, right. and then going in that direction instead of just you know, throwing money down a hole until you know what you're doing is, is maybe a smart well, way to go. Well, you know, uh, movie making has just become, you know, the famous words of uh, William Goldman, nobody knows anything. anything. And nobody knows, like, you know, when the, with the, so the high stakes so high nowadays, nobody, people know less and less and less. Unless you're Marvel. Oh man, they got it just, they got it <laughs> nailed. Because at the same time, Star all Wars this is happening. Star Wars now. Yes. When uh, both owned by uh, a What's studio. it called? Oh, that's right. Disney. Disney. Uh, yes. called Disney. Um, yeah, by so. the way, uh, the Rogue One trailer came out. Oh my God. And it was awesome. It was incredible. It was just like, I, I want it now. <laughs> yeah. I just want um, it now. I want it now. I want it now. Uh, hey, do we want to say anything about Suicide Squad? Well, yes. Well, Why? yes. We okay. Should. Yes, we should. Because we should say that Salvation might be very, very close. As close as August. Uh, Suicide Squad is tracking very well. Everybody is, can't wait to see Harley Quinn And apparently screen. it's going to be funny. It, well, apparently. apparently. But apparently there's going to be some jokes in it. So, Or there's going to be a more lighthearted, nihilistic <coughs> tone, uh, juggalo tone. So, uh, yeah. Uh, Harley Quinn looks awesome. She does. She looks yeah. great. Margot uh, Robbie, yeah. And I, I will say... There has been some uh, Kremlinology going on looking at the trailer <laughs> because for all they're like, oh, no, our reshoots were totally not for funnies. Um, there is a scene in which half of the new jokes in the trailer come from, which, which required no special effects and involved all of them sitting around in a bar. Which could, funny. Funny, which could easily have been filmed as a drop-in. Yes, well... Uh, not that we object. Right, but um, well, mm-hmm. I think I I need to I need to start shaking down some people and find out more insights. Well, about what's all this the, stuff. the what was the word on the street that all the jokes were in the first trailer? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that in order to get more jokes, they might they uh, went back and filmed them. But you know, which the, they denied, but denied, they, denied, they did. They did but, deny, deny, deny. And but, you know, but, you know yeah, lies. but let's just throw in one other little tiny piece of evidence that I, I mentioned earlier. But you know, so so Gal, uh, the Wonder Woman movie is already in the can, and yeah. you know they started to talk about it because it's coming out next year and. Uh, it's supposed to be dark, and that from straight from Wonder Woman's yeah. mouth. delicate yeah. mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> it's supposed to be dark. Uh, but then weren't the studio heads saying something about how it was going to be more like lively and? I I, I missed that. <laughs> but and this, so many I saw one of the account, one of the links you sent me. Here's the thing. 
you can be dark and still be lighter and livelier than Batman v Superman. Well, it ain't easily. hard. You know, <laughs> we didn't have this on our story, but what, there's there have been so many fascinating things that came out. That's why it's a little hard to digest. But you know, one of them, uh, somebody sat down and watched the movie. I don't know how he watched it. Uh, I guess maybe he went to the theater over and over again. Not sure. Uh, like Superman has only like 47 lines in the whole movie. And they're like really bad. <laughs> like he literally <laughs> typed out every word that Superman says. Well, you know, um, that's only forty nine. Well, he doesn't say much. No, he doesn't say much. It's mostly broody, broody, yeah. broody. Well, you know, I mean, he could have just brought an audio recorder with him. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's true too. He could have just done that. Yes. So, uh, but anyway, well, you, you know, there's only thirty seven lines. Yeah. It probably wouldn't take him long to write all of them down that's in true. the theater. Good that's point. true. He uh, could, you know, if he goes to the right theater in the future, he could have texted him home to himself. That's right. Yeah. Somebody's. Uh, oh, but uh, speaking of, the rules. <laughs> of movie theaters, um, their opening date, um, well, opening time, uh, Alamo Draft House is finally coming to New York City. That's right, in downtown they, Brooklyn. They are opening in downtown Brooklyn this summer. And they are text tweeting pictures of their inside of their new theater, which will be a special fan-friendly multiplex, albeit with no texting or talking. Uh-huh. Uh, now, you know what? I'm not familiar. What is this? Okay, so Alamo Draft House is a chain of theaters, which is very popular in Texas, where they are from, uh-huh. and they have decided to expand to the New York area. Uh, after some difficulties with zoning and expenses in New York, they are finally opening this summer in downtown Brooklyn. And uh-huh. what their business model is, is that they have a fan-friendly special events, and also, they have a full menu and bar served to you at your movie theater seats. So, you know, okay. basically, it's... That sounds like the potential for, like, a lot of well, problems. Well, uh, they already have <laughs> but the, hey, they already have the Nighthawk Cinemas in Wimsburg. Uh-huh. This, is, this is far more deluxe. This is, this is uh-huh. way more, this yeah. Is Alamo Draft like House is the, the, best. Is the uh, you know, state-of-the-art. Yeah, I was there when I was in Texas. It is amazing. It's, it's cool. Anyway, well, we'll, Shangri-La. Well, we'll okay. be sure to watch some of our superhero movies when this opens. But uh, anyway, let's let's move on. So. Uh, Doctor Strange. Yes. Well, I mean, just looking at I overall. Mean, but mm-hmm. I, you know, we have Civil War coming out, uh, which looks incredible. Yeah. The promo. This is coming out. It's you know, free comic book day just in two weeks. Uh, Black Panther, baby. It's all Black about Panther the Black Panther. Is getting a huge advance word. Uh, you know, they also announced that there's going to be... Will uh, Black Panther be the Wonder Woman of Civil War? I think so. I think that's almost no yeah, doubt about it's it. Almost, it, it. It's almost oh, that now, that, and it hasn't even opened apparently yet. Apparently he's only in a small part yeah, of the that's movie. Well, that would make let's him not, Wonder Woman. Let's yeah. not get our hopes... Uh, yeah, Wait, I guess he's in there. But he's the, the, what, the person battle. who everyone's looking for, right. who's only in the movie for a little bit, yeah. thus making yeah. him Wonder Woman. Yeah. yeah. And I, on a side note... Um, Ta-Nehisi Coates' Black Panther is getting enormous you oh, know, I know. It's talk huge. up. Just walking down the street, you can get a conversation going about I know. this comic book. It's like but, I heard that people were flooding into comic shops. It's one of those books that brought people who had Have we talked about it on the show yet? Yes, we did. Yes, we, we did? I can't remember. We, oh, okay. we got the yeah. issue, and you talked oh, about right. it yeah. on this very podcast. <laughs> I'm blagging. You know what? I'm suffering from a cold, so I'm, Listen, I'm liable to say season. anything We're now. all on cold beds and our allergy pills. Yes, all right. Well, each issue as it comes out. Anyway, getting back to Marvel, so... So we have, uh, yes, yeah, so Civil War 
course, coming out. You know, X Men Apocalypse is also coming out. Uh, oh, when uh, from Fox, but they've I know it's really impossible to keep track of these. <laughs> But uh, they've been doing this kind of very clever uh, promo <laughs> campaign with these uh, apocalypse through history. Like they did some kind of, boil- you know, it's like Boilerplate, that book that we love so much. Mm. Uh-huh. Uh, where oh, they're yeah, creating yes. these kind of found materials yeah, yeah. showing apocalypse throughout history. It's pretty kind clever of, yeah, stuff. Fa- yeah, these fake uh, histories. Yeah. You know, they also announced that there is going to be a Spider-Man movie. And they announced that there might be some other uh, Marvel characters appearing yeah. in this Sony Spider-Man movie. Spider-Man so, Homecoming, Kevin I think it's called. Just, yeah, yeah yep. which is the dumbest name of all times, by the way. Uh, I hope that was a joke. It looked like Home Alone starring Spider-Man. <laughs> but uh, all of this is going to be... Now, it's also... Uh, well, I think... Well, what... But it, this is also its return to Marvel Studios, right? No, 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 no. 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 It was see, they it's made a deal. It's a co-venture. It's a co-venture. Okay. Well, no, Marvel Studios exactly. is involved. No. Can I? Yes. Let Kate explain. Yes, please. Okay. So there's actually a very simple explanation. Uh, Sony still owns Spider-Man, right? And yeah. Marvel Disney still owns the Avengers and Company, but um, they made a deal with each other that in exchange for having some Avengers characters in the Spidey movie, Spidey would be in the Avengers movie. Yeah, I see. So it's a crossover, basically. Yeah. Yeah, I see. So yeah, the, there you go. One hand in, washes In a the world other. of crossovers, yeah. this is sort of the ultimate. Right. And then yeah. you have Doctor Strange coming, uh, which, you know... Very recently only, on the streets of New York. Right. We've only seen happy... <laughs> Gifs of Benedict Cumberbatch dancing down the street. Yes, uh, but walking it looks, in the J. It looks, it looks delightful, <laughs> absolutely delightful. It is. It is the movie that is making a friend of mine who swore off Marvel movies say, "Okay, I'm going to see that one." Yeah. Well, Cumberbatch. He looks like a pretty good Doctor Strange. He does. You know? Well, I mean, it was like you know, this time the actor's too well cast for the. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. The character. He, he looks but, the part. Uh, uh, you know, one. There's been a couple things. About, yeah, the uh, one question the, about it is was the whitewashing. Yeah, of the they, oh they, yes, yeah, the ancient. Definitely. It was. It was like great, great, great. OMG, WTF, Hilda Swinton. Um, hopefully, they'll come up with some excuse that the the ancient one is an interdimensional being or from some other plane or something. Why they can't just get an Asian? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, they apparently hate Asian women, and clearly, I mean, you know, clearly making... there are no Asians. Yeah, there's in a, the no, world. Yeah, because and also not only that, but Asian people I don't, don't go to the movies this. and don't have a don't I, I have just their don't own. Film. China, it doesn't exist. China, China doesn't make movies, and it doesn't have its own film stars who are or international billions of bo- people that would pay yeah, to see a movie with an Asian. Totally in it. This is, this is so particularly this is particularly funny to me. How hard can it be? To cast an Asian as an Asian. This is particularly funny to me, given the lengths they went to with Iron Man 3 to get a few Asians there in the background in the hopes that it would sell better in China. Right. So why they didn't put a Chinese person in the part set in China, well, I don't understand. Well, you know, listen, but I, whatever. I thought Kevin Swinton looked great as Asian one because yeah. she really is almost not even a human being. So that's kind of cool. But uh, you know the one that really bothered me this week was they're doing a live action uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers and Rita Repulsa is Elizabeth Banks. And I love Elizabeth Banks. But, uh, you know, Rita Repulsa is uh, is Japanese. I mean, <laughs> why do you not? It's just, She's a it's Japanese villainess. How do you not have that? Okay? It's like, anyway. Because there it's are no actors in Asia. Yeah, Heidi. you're right. Yeah, they, just, right. they just don't have a film industry at all. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. Uh, it's a, you know, you know, an Asian American. I think we would settle for that. <laughs> yeah. You know, mm-hmm. but it's. Well, well, oh, no. was, well, who is that? Who is on the uh, Shield? May, what's her name? Uh, Melinda May is being played by. 
name escapes me. I know. How can we have forgotten her name? Because she's uh, because she's kind of the coolest thing. On yeah, the show. she is. I Every can't time. remember. I, her I name remember either, the character, but I, but I don't remember the actress. Oh. And and actually, the um, the actor who plays uh, Sky Dash Daisy Johnson is mixed race, half Chinese, and indeed, yeah. her original career was as a Chinese pop star. Right, oh, yeah, that's right. She. Which she failed at and ended up on television in the United States. Um, <laughs> I'm but, embarrassed I can't find it either because she's good. I know, she's great. Uh, Ming-Na Wen. Ming-Na Wen, of course, uh, of course. She's uh, amazing. Yeah, she's great. She's one of the best things in the show. Every time I watch yeah. it, she's like the only cool thing on it to me. But uh, anyway, it's you know very disappointing. Very, very disappointing. But and Oh, but, and then have you heard about the Ghost in the Shell movie? Oh, of course. Oh, yes. well, but the, 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 newest, the newest bit lip is that not only did they cast... Uh, Scarlett Johansson as what was originally an Asian robot, which fine, I guess she's a non-Asian robot, but it has leaked that without consulting the actors or actresses that they had a secret special effects test where they decided whether they could make do something magical with computer animation to make the characters look more Asian. You know, just to put this I in just, perspective. I just, I want to barf. Yeah. I just you know, want to They decided barf. it was a bad idea, but they could have decided that before they, they did the special effects test. They could have decided that by Googling, you know, breakfast at Tiffany's and Mickey Rooney. I mean, unfortunately, there's a horrible, horrible history of white people playing Asian people for horrible comedic effect. And yeah. it's just so offensive. Just and, why? You know, why you know just, you... just in case anyone's listening to this, and you know, doesn't get Kate and my sarcasm, uh, there is a huge movie industry in China that has huge movie stars, okay? I mean, you know, obviously the Hong Kong movies of the 90s were gave us Jackie Chan and Jet Li, Michelle Yeoh, uh, Maggie Chung. I mean, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Uh, Tony Wong, both of them. Um, you know, but there's more now. And Rogue One, one of the really cool things about it was that uh, it had Donnie Yen in it, who is a huge star in China. Well, they actually know? have another huge star from China, but his name escapes me. Yes, yes. Um, and it was really funny to me in a horrible way when some fanboys got super mad that there are going to be major Asian characters in Star Wars movies by going, looks like there's samurai. There shouldn't be samurai in Star Wars. And it's like, where do I even start? Well, <laughs> where do I even start? Isn't the whole you know, thing. Idiots, what, what do you think they base <laughs> Jedi I mean, on? The whole you fool! I know. Fortress, it's like <laughs> the Hidden Fortress by Kira <laughs> I just find this amazing. I mean, Ghost in the Shell to, uh, is one of my personal masterpieces of pop culture. Yeah. Um, for them to take that thing and just turn it into basically a 50s you know western yeah i don't you know i mean well could i i can't even begin I, to i, I say, do believe that most of the other cast is asian is japanese is that the case there is there is a great deal of the cast is japanese but the main character is played by scarlett johansson and um and that's the, yeah. the lieutenant and and, and and you know some people like are the person i know the this was pointed out character. so many times that it's just um, awful it's awful. That it's not only in this case... And I like Scarlett Johansson. Yes, we all do. But the funny thing is, I don't think that any of these movies that were based on anime property and then whitewashed ever made money. No, they, they all tanked. None of them have. And you'd think that after the fifth time it tanked, they wouldn't do that anymore because if the point is a crass attempt to make money, that's not the way to do it. Yeah. And... uh you know, one thing that was pointed out, and, you know, not that it makes it better, but, you know, ancient, the ancient one from Doctor Strange is not a beloved character who, you know, is hanging on the the, the walls of, you know, teenage people throughout yeah. uh, Japan, whereas Ghost of the Shell is like, you know, national saga. It, yeah. 
you know, uh, I mean, this is a really important story that is actually, you know, it's absolutely one of their all-time classics. It's about Japan. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's one of the visionary science fiction projects about a possible future. I, mean, I know. But, you know, I, I'm a huge fan of the manga, the whole series of the manga, and frankly, of uh, Shiro Masamune in general. Yeah. I mean, all of his works to me. Masamune uh, is Shiro, yes. an amazing... Uh, artist and that franchise just I don't know yeah. it's it's yeah near, anyway near to your heart yes it's just it's transformative and anyway you know, anyway yeah fanboy anyway, talking nobody that's knows all. anything what do nobody I know nobody knows anything you know uh, well I think we already know yeah. that this is a bad idea yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> that much we do know all right all right uh, news briefs uh, one is that Homestuck that beloved homegrown transmedia property of the internet as it were sort of a combination computer animated uh, game dash comic strip dash epic that uh, also got uh, over two million dollars on kickstarter for its own video game which is in the Still works com, yeah <laughs> Well, you know, sometimes these things take a while. <laughs> it has come to an end. It, it ended with a nine-minute cartoon. It still can all be found free on the internet for you dear listeners. And, um, you know, it's a positive cultural phenomenon. Yeah, it's a, quite a, I mean, I can't say that I actually understood it, or, <laughs> but it was certainly a phenomenon. It's, yeah. Um, and, you know, uh, readers were thrilled to find that they did not back off on you know, gay content in it. Uh, they did not stratify it. They continued to keep the aliens aliens, and everything continued to be really weird. <laughs> uh, that's a positive, folks. That's a positive. I, I like weird. But, you know, if you don't like weird, you won't like Homestuck. If you do like weird, you might like Homestuck. And also, speaking of new things in comics, uh, Free Comic Book Day has long been for the comic book companies that can afford it, basically. Now... Uh, the Outhouse, a comic news site with a rather reverent take on comics, has offered up a new option called Alternative Free Comics Day, which is going to be on the same day, um, Free Comic Book Day, May 7th. But indie creators can upload uh, ebooks of the book which they right. re- wish to give That's away right. free yep. on AlternativeFreeComicsDay.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, I certainly look forward yeah, to its yeah. content. It's a great idea. I think it is too. Simple, Anybody yeah. can upload content mm-hmm. and, you know, some uh, promotional material about it and it's there for the taking. Mm-hmm. People can see it and I think they're willing to uh, work with retailers mm-hmm. who may want to use it as pro- as promotional basis. Um, I think it's a great idea. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And it's kind of like a, um, what was my last break? you know, another variety of the Humble Bundle uh, yes. phenomenon. Yes. And one more brief. Tarzan will cross over with Legend of the Apes. Yeah. So Planet of the Apes movie series has a comic book. And so Tarzan. Tarzan will finally be <laughs> united with the movie series that needed a Tarzan. Yes. Well, you know. There you go. Yep. There you um, go. Monkey I, shall love monkey. Yeah, well, yes. There you go. It's time uh, has come. All right. Well, it's well, it sounds like a, a, a monkey-palooza. Yeah. Well, I guess the time has come for us to say that next time there'll be... More? To come. <laughs>